Genre. Listeners, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character and a great story, except when we don't. I'm Joe Dorowski, and this week we're playing a game called Joe versus the AI. And joining us for this game is returning guest Brandon Ushio. Welcome back, Brandon. Thanks for having me back. It's my second game in a row. Ah, it's the, the game episode's gonna be fun. It's a, a little more freewheeling, a little less uh, regimented. So I hope you enjoy this format. And as is often the case with games, we have producer Andrew acting as judge. Andrew, how are you doing? I am a little under the weather, but I'm here for, for the fans. Oh, glad to hear it. Uh, I hope in your, uh, you know, any brain fog you might be experiencing, you in don't make the wrong choice. State. Yes, that you don't make the wrong choice. That you always choose the correct winner in this. Joe's game. just leaving both of us now this way. It was just because yep. of the brain fog. <laughs> uh, the way this game is going to go is that Brandon has access to an AI system. Right, Brandon. That's how would you how would yeah, you describe? I it? mean, that's that, that's pretty much what it is. So it's an AI writing tool uh, that I've been using for oh about a year now, and it it can do amazing things. And it's designed for like copywriting, but when you twist its arm the right way, you can get some really fun creative stories out of it too. And we had Brandon use this AI system to generate titles for stories and that was in part inspired by a uh, a comment when kirsten christensen was on as a guest and she mentioned the noun of the noun as a fantasy book series um <laughs> that that is a pattern that often gets used and, and we got several of those in this as well yes uh inspired by that one comment we had the ai generate story titles i have written summaries for what these uh, you know, stories that could go along with these titles. Brandon, you have also written summaries, correct? I have. So like for, for pithiness and also the allusion to Joe versus the volcano, we call it Joe versus the AI. AI. I guess this could be Joe and Brandon versus the AI because we're also going to have the AI generate some some summaries for some. We're a couple stories. of real John Henrys here. Yeah. <laughs> and then after uh, producer Andrew, hears summaries of these stories. He will choose which one he would rather well, read or view. One of mine is explicitly a TV series, but uh, we'll we'll see what happens with these. Uh, but Andrew just gets to pick a winner, and then we uh, we tally the votes or the score at the end, and we announce who has won overall. Now, I think a lot of the fun of this is the titles that the AI came up with. So I don't I, I don't think we should read them all off at the top. I think that should be like little little bursts of delight as as we go through um, as we announce <laughs> what the next. Uh, story title that will be summarized as. Do you agree with that, Brandon? I think that's a lot of fun. I, there, there are some that I was like, I, I don't know where it came up with that, but I love it. All right. So, uh, Andrew, would you like yes. to help choose who will go first? No, because I thought about this in advance and I want the AI to choose. All right. So I'm going to ask it. I'm sure that it can choose between Brandon and Joe, right? Who who should go first? I just want you to know, I did give this, I gave this forethought this time. I thought about this ahead of time. It's not because I spontaneously forgot. I did think about (laughs) this and made this choice coherently earlier today. All right. So this is, this is what I typed into the AI. Who should go first, Brandon or Joe? Question mark. Let's see what it says. 
Jasper says, Brandon should go first. And I'm not lying. I wish there could be like a screen share in Zencaster, <laughs> but there's not. I, I trust you, Brandon. All right. All right. So I get to pick which story we're going with first. Uh, yeah. 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 Just go ahead and pick any one of uh, how many did we end up with? Seven? I, I hope so, because that's what I've got. Yeah. Seven. So. <laughs> All right, so let's start off with, okay, I have to I have to preface this by saying this whole project has inspired me to start a whole new podcast. My daughters wanted me to tell or do a storytelling podcast, like a bedtime story podcast forever now, and this just really, really kicked it off. So the first story that we're going to go with is called Snow Day Apocalypse, and coincidentally, it's the first episode of my, my new podcast. So... Here's my synopsis for Snow Day Apocalypse. When school is canceled due to a freak snowstorm towards the end of the school year, Johnny and his friends head out to have the most epic snow day ever. The friends find a giant crystal snowflake and they make wishes. One by one, their wishes come true. But quickly, they learn that it's important to choose their words wisely. Living snowmen aren't always nice. Unlimited snow cones aren't as delicious as you'd think. And explaining to your parents why a Yeti followed you home isn't as easy as it sounds. Johnny and his friends must find the crystal and destroy it before their final wishes come true. And they are stuck in a world of permanent winter. All right. You know you're pandering to us when you throw in a Yeti. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty good. And I want to state for any listeners that are going to call foul. My Snow Day Apocalypse already had a Yeti. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the Yeti are just so great. The Yeti are just so great. You can't have a Snow Day story without a Yeti. Yes. All right. Here's the summary that I had for Snow Day Apocalypse. Have you ever had a day where everything just seems to go wrong? That's happening for the students of Smoyd Larkins Elementary on October 31st, 2022. An early snowstorm causes school to be canceled, uh, but that's not all. Oh, yeah, so canceled early. So they're in school and now they've got to get home. That's not all. As they're in the bus riding home, an alien attack makes it impossible for the bus to get through the streets after the road is destroyed by spaceship lasers. So the kids from Smeldry Park neighborhood get off the bus and hunger down behind a car to talk about how they can get home. That's when they see the zombies lurching down the street. They run to a convenience store for shelter when a sinkhole swallows the store just before they can get in. As they're wondering what to do now, a demon tentacle rises from the sinkhole, screaming. They run down the street and actually through a ghost ship crewed by Viking ghosts. Ducking behind a trash dumpster, they catch their breath and say this is completely unbelievable. That is when the trash dumpster is picked up by the Yeti. As they run around the corner, they see the vampire monkeys coming towards them. What follows is the adventure of the Smeldry Park kids getting home safely during the snow day apocalypse. All right, all right. Before anyone says anything, I thought I was thinking to myself the same thing that those kids like. This can't get any crazier. This, there's no way this is happening. But I lived through the years 2020 through 2022. <laughs> I, it's very possible. Like I, all bets are off. Yeah, vampire monkeys, Yeti, bring it. Um. All right. Periodically in this, I think we want to see what your AI would generate if we just gave it the title. Is this one of those times, Brandon? Can we just put Snow Day Apocalypse in and just see what comes out unedited? Just let, let, Let's see what happens. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put in story colon Snow Day Apocalypse. And you know what? Just for kicks and giggles, let's put in genre and then leave the rest of it blank. Like I'm not going to tell it what genre it is. And I'm going to say go. 
So it generates word by word. And let's see if I can. Okay, it's, it, it's all right. Let's see what happens. Got to tell it to go one more, one more time, and add some more stuff to it because it it generates a few words, a few sentences at a time. Because most people, it charges them by the word that it generates, and so it doesn't want to go way off the rails and you need some human interaction. I was in early enough that I've got an unlimited plan, so that's why I can play games like this. Oh, all right. So this is what it generated. The snow day started out like any other. The kids were excited to have a day off from school, and the adults were happy to have a break from work. But then something strange happened. The snow began to fall harder and harder, until it was coming down in such thick flakes that visibility was nearly zero. And then the power went out. At first, people thought it was just a fluke. Surely the power would come back on soon. But days passed, and still there was no power. The snow continued to fall burying houses and streets and cutting off people from the outside world. Oh, by the way, I think I, it's important to, here to say the genre that it picked was post-apocalyptic. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> cutting off people from the outside world. As supplies began to run low, people started to panic, and there was no way to know what was happening outside or if help was on the way. And then one day a strange noise was heard in the distance, a noise that sounded like dot, 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 laughter. As the days wore on, it became clear that this was no ordinary snow that's day. Maybe, that's maybe the this... creepiest part of this whole story. <laughs> yes. I was, I was actually expecting a Yeti. <laughs> this, was the... <laughs> <laughs> this was the snow day apocalypse. What started out as a fun day off from school has turned into a nightmare. Can anyone survive or will this be the end of the world as we know it? That was a little creepier than I expected, Brad. <laughs> right. Oh, I mean, it chose post-apocalyptic. I can Where change the, the genre. Come from? I, <laughs> well, I'm so comfortable with that. Let's change it to kids. I'm going to change the genre to kids and see what it generates. Go. Oh, this is like just full out writing the story right now. Okay, so uh, the alarm clock goes off, but it's not the sound of a normal alarm clock. It's a loud screeching alarm that makes everyone in the house jump out of bed. Groggily, they all make their way to the windows to see what's outside. There's a thick layer of snow covering everything. Cars are buried, trees are heavy with icicles, and the street is empty. What's going on? asks one of the kids. It looks like a snow day, exclaims another. But soon they realize that, it, that this isn't just any snow day. Something strange is going on. The snow seems to be alive, and it's coming after them. They race around the house to stay ahead of the snow, but it's no use. The snow is getting closer and closer. Just when it seems like they're going or they're about to be caught, they hear a voice calling to them from the outside. It's their neighbor who has a sled. Quick, get on, she yells. They jump on the sled, hold tight, and she starts to, this is where you can tell it's an AI, pedal away. <laughs> the, the, the snow AI is, is right good. behind it's not them, perfect, right? <laughs> but they managed to escape. So I told I stopped generating there because I'm like, mm -hmm. it's just telling the story at this point. Uh -huh. Yeah. So oh, well, I, and I want our listeners to know. I mean, assuming Andrew hasn't uh, changed anything, that was real time. Uh, how long it took the AI to generate those stories, which is impressive and disturbing at the same time. I will have trimmed a little bit of silence, but. It, it less than much. a minute. It was less than was a minute of silence. Minute. Oh yeah, yeah. It was uh, quite quite quick. All right, Andrew. I guess you've ended up with four choices in this instance. <laughs> there is uh, Brandon. Uh, what was the, uh, the the hook for your original uh, 
snow day apocalypse brandon the the monkey's paw crystal snowflake uh you got to be careful with your wishes mine is everything goes wrong every kind of apocalypse happens uh as the kids are trying to get home during a, a after school is canceled and then we had the post-apocalyptic ai version with the laughter and then the children's version with the pedaling snow sled um i think i'm gonna go with joe's um yes but it's got to be within like a very specific kind of context for how it's depicted i'm thinking kind of like a gravity falls kind of thing yeah like the animation style and yeah 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 i saw this as graphic novel or animation in my head like i had i had specific things in my head and art styles going on it's kind of funny how that how that works out because I was thinking like cloudy with a chance of meatballs type, yeah animation, that would be in the in mm-hmm. the same kind of territory too. Yeah. All right, I have my insurmountable lead of one. Let me just jot that down. Okay, so now I get to choose the next story uh, title. I'm gonna go with. No, I'm gonna save that title. <laughs> that's one. That's one for the end. Uh, let's go with the witch of the woods. All right. Now, before we go, I want to ask, did you get to pick next because it was your turn to go next or is it because you won the point? I did it because it was my turn, not because I won the point. Oh man. We get, we, we, it would whole add a whole nother layer of competition. I, I'm fine if that, we, we can say the winner picks, picks next and goes first. Let's, let, let's do that. This might be a whole entire story of Joe, uh, of Joe picking, titles but <laughs> or the ai getting to pick one i'd love to cross that bridge i guess, I guess that's true <laughs> yeah uh let's see okay the witch of the woods which um when you did the initial list there were a few titles that you double checked that actually existed was this one that actually existed or i don't um, think it was i don't think this one i think we scratched all the ones that you found like books that have been published with that same title yeah there's uh, a like a, a final fantasy side quest titled this Okay. But I don't see any actual books. Okay, here we go. The Witch of the Woods. In the late 1600s, Raven Cromwell is a witch, an evil one with dark magic. Ophelia Lovelace is also a witch, a good one with light magic. They battled, and finally Raven was defeated and trapped in a comatose state for 300 years, buried in the woods. Raven wakes up in the late 1900s and wanders out of these woods, which have lots of creepy urban legends and folklore about them, and she goes into a small Pennsylvania town. Confused, she enters different stores before stumbling into a used bookstore where a women's book club is happening. She's invited to sit down and participate. Every other week, she returns to this book club where she bonds with the women and learns about their lives. After several months and lots of research in the used bookstore and local library, Raven says goodbye to her new friends and leaves town. She travels to universities, studying in their special collections, visits other libraries to track down leads. Finally, she finds Ophelia and demands her magic back. Ophelia refuses. But instead of a fight, they talk. Raven tells her why she needs her magic back. And Ophelia says that after three centuries, the magic would likely kill Raven. Raven says she doesn't care. She has to do this. Ophelia gives her a potion that she can drink to restore her magic with the warning that she will likely die. Raven returns to that small town in Pennsylvania. She revisits the book club and sees her friends again. Then that night, she drinks the potion and casts spell after difficult spell, her body wasting away and literally disintegrating as she does this. Then, as a spectral form, barely clinging to this plane of existence, she visits her friends one last time. Christina is looking out the window as her abusive boyfriend drives away, saying he just needs to get out of town. At work, Lauren's boss is about to make a suggestive comment when he yelps in pain. And at Cecilia's next doctor appointment with her five-year-old son, the doctor says the cancer is in remission. Raven smiles as her spectral form disappears fully. 
That's that had a really twist nice. I was not expecting. <laughs> really nice. <laughs> Thank you. There was a lot of silence. I didn't know how it was being received. <laughs> I, I'm chewing on it. I'm mentally <laughs> chewing on that story. <laughs> all right. All right. So for this, for, for my version of the Witch of the Woods, Gretchen is a young witch who has just been assigned to be the protector of a small town by the Witch's Council. As the newly appointed Witch of the Woods, Gretchen must pick up the mantle of responsibility and use her powers to protect the town from evil. And even though the town of Woods Crossing has been protected by witches for generations, the townsfolk do not appreciate or trust witches. So Gretchen has her work cut out for her, not only in defeating the evil forces that seek to destroy her new home, but also in winning over the hearts and minds of the townspeople. All right. Do we want to do an AI every round or should we just uh, let it? I don't think every round, every round. All right. Not, yeah, not every round, but, um, a few times throughout. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. I like this toy a lot, Brandon, that you introduced (laughs) us to. (laughs) So Joseph, I'll, Joseph, you don't want to call AI a toy on recording. <laughs> yeah, They're going to know listening. how you <laughs> yes. think of them. Well, if you think about it, you're really lost in this in the AI war that we're going to have in the future either way. Because if you're nice to the AI, they're going to be like, oh, well, that human's a pushover. We're going to subjugate <laughs> them. Or if you're mean to them, they're going to be like, that human's a jerk. We're going to kill them. I mean, yeah. you're just, I mean, there's no winning in this scenario. Subjugation. Have you asked the AI to write a story about the AIs taking over the world? Uh, No. <laughs> no, could be a future a, story for your for your podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a little too creepy right there. I mean, just <laughs> I mean, witches in the woods, one thing. AIs <laughs> taking over the world, written by an AI. I, I mean, they could, they could be giving us their plans in, ahead of time. I guess. I am always fascinated by the fact that the first robot story is the robot uprising story. the The original story where the word robot comes from is a robot uprising and they kill all the humans. And and we've been stuck with that story mold. <laughs> and yet somehow people don't realize it's like, you know, the, like this is the original story. This is the only robot story. Uh, let's see. Rosam's universal robots. It's a Czech play from yeah, the, tw- I was going to say, isn't it from Czechoslovakia? Yeah. I think it's from like the twenties. Yeah. And it didn't have ties to some like, uh, you know, communist ideologies in there. Right. I don't know. How prevalent were the commies in the 20s? No, it's hard to say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, like robots and uprising, it's 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 like peanut butter and jelly. They just go together. (laughs) Um, I'm going with Joe's on this one. An uncommon. uh, So far, two for two sweep. Yeah, (laughs) Joe's like, I've got to have Brandon back on this game more often. (laughs) Makes me feel good. I, 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 I felt pretty good about the witch in the woods. I, I don't feel good about all of mine. <laughs> well, with that said, I think we changed the rules to say that you get to pick the next one. Oh, yeah. Okay. If I if I had to guess, I would say this is in the top fifty percent of Joe's pitches for this for this game today. All right. Uh, my next one, I'm going to go with a uh, uh, the, the, one of the titles that was most surprising to me: The Legend. Of Neil Armstrong. Yes, this is the one that jumped out to me as a... I never would have thought of that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have 
generated this at all. So the AI gave it to us. Let's see what we came up with. This is my summary for The Legend of Neil Armstrong. There are many conspiracy theories about the moon landing. The most popular theory is that NASA filmed the moon landings in a movie studio or in the Utah desert are completely wrong. Neil Armstrong did land on the moon, but there is one much more obscure theory that turns out to be correct. The Neil Armstrong who returned to Earth was three years older than the one who left. When he landed on the moon, he was instantly transported to another dimension. The previous moon people had set up a spell for the next person to touch the surface of the moon to be summoned to them. Neil Armstrong, who towers over the moon people, is viewed as a hero and spends three years vanquishing the threats that uh, trouble the moon people before he's magically set back in the exact time and space he left. The momentary confusion he feels is also why he flubs the line he had prepared to say on the moon. So famously, he was supposed to say... This is one small step for a man and one giant leap for mankind. But he forgot the A. Uh, see, all I all I could see with that was when you were talking about how Neil Armstrong towered over the moon people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he went around vanquishing the Vos or whatever it was. Yeah, I think yeah it was very generic, generic yeah. foes. So, but what, what, what I could, what I pictured there was Neil Armstrong holding them out with his hand while they were swinging their arms and couldn't reach because he was towering over them. <laughs> <laughs> can't hit me can't hit me <laughs> no i like that uh all right uh brandon what do you have for the legend of neil armstrong a young boy lives in a future where humans are near extinct and second-class citizens of the united galactic alliance he is inspired by the story of the first man on the earth's moon and his namesake neil armstrong and decides to fight the system and become an astronaut he hitches a ride by stowing away on a ship to get to the space station where the astronauts train. He's found out and entered into forced servitude to pay his way back. He learns many skills from this and is able to pay off his debt to the ship's captain, who had seen his potential and mentored him. She releases him from his service and takes him to the space station to be trained. Neil's additional training from his, from his time as a stowaway greatly aids him in his training and he quickly rockets to the top of his class, despite all of the odds and unfair systems. When Neil proves himself in space and in combat, he is approached by the Zarin, who tells him he has been chosen to go on a suicide mission to the moon of Zarin Prime. The mission is a success, and Neil becomes the first sentient being to walk on the surface of the moon. Oh, I like that finale a lot. That was, that was well done. <laughs> Yeah, you got to tie it back around, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I like that. Um, um, I think I this is one qu- that we should we should do the AI for. Yeah, because I just want to know: is it going to do like some retelling of who Neil Armstrong is, or is it going to do something completely out there? All right, let's see. You know, this. It, I mean, if you're a historical fiction fan, this one might be good. <laughs> but it said, the, the description it generated was, the story of Neil Armstrong is one that has been told many times. However, there is one version of the story that is particularly fascinating. This story tells the story of how Armstrong became the first man to walk on the moon. Like, all those words make oh, sense right there. But, but, <laughs> but, but it's like, that's the story that you tell. It's yeah, not the it's like, particularly fascinating Wait, one. What, what other Neil Armstrong stories does this say I think we've been telling? <laughs> The story begins with Armstrong's childhood. He was raised on a farm in Ohio and always interested in science and technology. He was especially interested in space exploration. Brandon, I, I, mean, I feel like yeah. the AI isn't going to take this round. No, no. It, 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 it's not. Uh, this one's going to go to Brandon. Yeah. 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 Nice. I, I get that. 
Well-earned, Brandon. Thank you. All right. All right. So now it's my turn. Let's see. Let's go with... Let's go with Seven Nights in Tokyo. And Nights is spelled (laughs) K-N-I-G-H-T-S. I love that title. We we may be leveling the playing field. I I don't want to spoil it. I don't want Andrew to be... Sorry. Never mind. I'm super confident in my my summary for this one. (laughs) All right. Seven Nights in Tokyo. When Emiko is offered a prestigious job at Akari Tech, she jumps at the chance to finally make something of herself. She's been working dead-end jobs and struggling to make ends meet for years. So when she's given the opportunity to work for one of the most successful tech companies in Japan, she doesn't hesitate and signs up for the week-long recruitment event. What Emiko doesn't know is that Akari Tech is owned by Oni. Not an Oni, the Oni. An ancient other dimensional being who is using the company to find the descendants of the seven samurai knights that sealed his world from ours away. I worded that weird. Uh, Sealed his world away from ours. Something like that. He needs their descendants' powers to open the demon gate and bring forth his army to conquer our world. Can Emiko and the other descendants of the seven samurai knights stop Oni before it's too late? Or will they unwittingly help him achieve his goal? Okay. All right. I liked that. Okay. <clears throat> in my version of Seven Nights in Tokyo, it is a dystopian future, cyberpunk style. <laughs> I know that's shocking. Uh, and Haru has developed an AI that is going to summon heroes to help him to overthrow the machine overlords that have taken over Tokyo. He programs the AI to bring him King Arthur's Knights of the Round Table. However, the AI makes a mistake and ends up summoning summoning one samurai, one medieval knight, one cowboy, one Mayan warrior, one member of the Mongol horde, one Bedouin raider, one Spartan, one Amazon warrior, and also one British infantryman from World War One. He had specified seven knights were supposed to come. He ended up with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine, nine heroes from the past. Who is <laughs> <laughs> not very good? <laughs> this magic spell's got some number issues. To fight the mechanical overlords that have overtaken Tokyo. I forgot to count how many there were. I had, like, I literally had a note of just number. <laughs> like that's what it, it was just the, the pound sign <laughs> in the script. I had to go back and check. <laughs> now, if you hadn't said anything, I don't think anyone was counting along when you were listing off not, all, of the, all the time. But it started to sound like it was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it was too many when I was writing. This is the last one I wrote right before we started. And I knew I had too many. And I just put the pound sign meaning to go back and count before I read it off. <laughs> But it's so hard to choose which ones. <laughs> yeah, well, who am I going to cut to make it seven? <laughs> I think that, like the optimal version of this is to somehow combine these two stories. <laughs> <laughs> Just to get to give more of the like worldwide flair of Joseph's to the more coherent <laughs> tale yeah. that Brandon, uh, uh, Brandon, Brandon had a little more focus in his. <laughs> Fine. See, so so I so in my so I don't know how your process for this is, Joe, but I like have to come up with the whole story in my head before right. I can then condense it down into these smaller paragraphs. And so my I this could be completely doable. Like you could have the descendant of a cowboy, 
and the descendant yeah. uh, uh-huh. and have all of them come in and you've got like the security and you've got a programmer and you've got a janitorial staff member and they all have to <laughs> learn to work together. I think that could be fun. That could be. Yeah, no, I like that. So uh, often I just sit there until the idea comes and then I just let it marinate. And as has been proven many times, I do let some get away from me <laughs> um, when I'm doing that. But other times it's just like, oh, no, I only have the seed of the idea and it's about time to record and I've got to just put down the seed of the idea. That was one of those instances just now. <laughs> um. Brandon's got more structure to his. And so, like I said, we can, you know, apply some of Joseph's to Brandon's, but, but, yeah, but, Brandon's it, but it, it would be, yeah. it would be applying from Joseph to Brandon because Brandon's is there. Yeah. So, no, yeah. so Brandon's the winner. So All it's right. a two yeah, to I, two tie. I, I yeah, really so appreciate the, the way that you, the way that you brought in, like that was a stroke of genius, Joe. And I appreciate that coming into my story. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Jo- Joseph's a contributor. He'd be in the acknowledgments page, but not a co-author. <laughs> but not. Yeah. Uh, all right. So Jeopardy rules. I get to pick again. And now I'm running into my. See, I have not played these games as much as you have. And so I don't understand the strategy. So now I'm, I'm like, I think all of the rest of these are kind of the same strength. And I'm not going to say because I don't want to. I don't want to change how mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Andrew's seeing things, but uh, I may have started out a little bit stronger than I'm going to finish. So, <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's go to the one that I had the hardest time with. This title, I had no idea what I was going to do. Uh, I there were some because it gave us a list of like eleven names, and Joe and I cut some out and we're like, okay, let's get rid of this one. That's too generic. This is too much like something else that's already been written. This one, though, I had no idea what I was going to do when we picked the title. So this one is called The Sad Clowns of America. It follows the the noun of noun. <laughs> it's an adjective in there. Adjective noun or noun. <laughs> yeah. The Sad yeah. Clowns of America. The Sad Clowns of America. It sounds so real. It sounds, I mean, like. It sounds like, in particular, to me, it sounds like a song that people would reference a lot from, like, the Beastie Boys or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, where it's, like, unexpected that that is the origin of this phrase, but it's a phrase people know, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, everyone's listened to the Sad Clowns of America. Or maybe a band name. Oh, oh, I, that, this, this does sound like a band name, doesn't it? Yeah, it could could definitely be. All right. All right. So here's my sad clowns of America. Crasher is a young boy who has grown up in the streets, oppressed in the shadows of the sad clowns of America, a clandestine group that is behind every major conspiracy in the world. Along with his friends, Sarah, a brave and determined girl, Merlin, a wise old tech wizard, and Draco, his powerful dragon dog, who's a good boy. They help him fight against the sad clowns of America and take them down, exposing their secrets to the world and bringing them to justice. But Crasher has a dark secret of his own. He is the son of the leader of the sad clowns of America. When he takes down his own father and exposes the secrets of the group, he publicly becomes a hero. But privately, he takes over the group from the inside. What will he do with this power? Only time will tell. Oh, I like it. you're getting so many twists in. 
You got to twist it. You got to twist it, or else it's, or else my my son. I showed these to my son, and he pointed out, well, this story comes from this, and this story comes from this. I'm like, well, fine, I'll put some twists in there then. <laughs> and then this one specifically, he he found where I stole the twist from. So you know, it was no good. Mm. Uh, all right, uh, where is that twist from? I like it felt familiar, but I. Uh... This, this this twist comes from uh, Shang Chi, the the Marvel. Oh, yes, the, the Marvel right. movie. Okay. Uh, also, well, don't they also do that in uh, Agents of Atlas in the comic book? Don't they do something like that too? You know, uh, th- th- it's a trope that's used frequently, I'm sure. But mm-hmm. but that yeah, that, that was the one that I was, I was thinking. thinking of, I was thinking of a different Marvel property. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> it feels like, and then I landed on. It. The, All right, I think there was a big twist in Agents of Atlas. The spoilers for a kind of obscure comic that I don't suspect people are going to complain. Twenty years about old at this point. It's like it's. I mean, years I don't, old at I don't, least, right? 15 years old, probably, because I remember reading it. But there was an explanation in Agents of Atlas where the villain was just there so that the hero could exist. He was like, well, I had to become a, a, a villain so that you could become an Asian American hero in the FBI. Mm. <laughs> like, that was my mm. whole point was to be this grand threat to elevate you in the because era of- because Asian Americans needed a hero yeah. in the FBI. Uh-huh. Okay, that is oddly specific. Well, it, it's uh, the Agents of Atlas played with existing characters, some that were very problematic from Marvel comics in the 1950s, and was like the, the Yellow Claw, like like reimagining these characters uh, for a more modern audience. All right, that was quite the tangent. Sad clowns of America. Here's my synopsis. There is a legend among carnies, hobos, and tramps, the sad clowns of America. When America was deep in the throes of the Great Depression, a supernatural threat arose that threatened the forgotten communities of these people, those who had fallen through the cracks of society. This threat was the cackles. These creatures caused death by laughter. So five people who never laugh, who never crack a smile, who never smirk, volunteered to confront them. Bindle von Eckersteinsky. Patches, the frown, morose ghost, mooching Willie, and Flotsam and her dog Gumbash all teamed up to save the hobos, tramps, and carnies. I'm so happy that it that the sad clowns of America became the Justice League. It's <laughs> as you started like, when, when like you like no other. when you were when you were two sentences in. I was like, oh, I really hope this becomes like the Hobo Justice League. Uh, and it was, it was only five. I was hoping for more, but uh, see this one, this you, didn't have, you didn't have a number limit, Joe, and you, and you didn't give it to him. Yeah, I know. It was like uh, when I had to do the 12 hooves of Christmas and I had to come up with 12, <laughs> 12 horse names, the, the, the 12 nays, nays of Christmas. That's what it was. The 12 nays of Christmas. I had to come up with the horse um, names. I had to go with 12 of them. I should have just kept going oh, with a uh, hobo, sad clown style names. Carney names, yeah. Yes. Um, oh man, yeah. When you were two sentences in, it was like, oh, I just need, I just need, you know, the silhouettes walking towards the camera. Oh yeah, Bindle von Eckersteinsky, patches the frown, morose ghost, mooching Willie, and flotsam with her dog Gumbash. Those oh, are some man. of the best names I've ever heard. So I just good. have to say that. Uh, I might I just... have been on a page about hobo terminology. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was hobo jargon. That's what I had searched. <laughs> I mean, like, and, and Morose Ghost 
he's just like shrouded in like a poncho, like a hooded poncho. <laughs> so he looks like a ghost, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's his silhouette. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And somebody's really big and has a stick over their shoulder. I don't know if it's their bindle, well, but if it's well, their uh, bindle, it's well, like one of them is named like Bindle von Ekstensky. So I yeah, think it's Bindle. Like, so <laughs> it's got to be Bindle, carrying, the giant, the giant like, guy. Yeah, he's like seven feet tall and his bindle is an eye beam from a construction site. <laughs> And he's got like a big old gut, right? Like he's the big round one, right? <laughs> oh man, it's gonna, be, it's gonna be Joseph for this one. I just—I mean, I don't see how you could I do really, another one. Wait, as wait, wait, as soon as he wait, like wait. got into it, I was like, "The Sad Clowns of America." It's the Justice League. <laughs> That's what it is. All right, let's. I, yeah, I, I'm gonna pull my AI card on this one. Let's yeah, see yeah. what the AI comes up for this. Oh, time I was going to insist you hadn't. All right, hang on. Because I want to know what the machine America. was thinking of when it gave us this title. Because this was the most out there title. Where it's like, wait, All what? Right. Okay, so so this one chose a post-apocalyptic genre. Uh, let's generate a couple. All right, that's where it's going. All right, buckle up. When the bombs dropped, the clowns were some of the first to go. They were hated and feared by society. And they were easy targets. The survivors didn't want anything to do with them, and so they were left to fend for themselves. <laughs> the, clown, the clowns banded together and decided to make their way to the city. They had heard there was a place where they would be welcomed, where they would be able to start over. The journey was long and hard, but the clowns persevered. They finally arrived at the city, only to find that it was just as hostile as the outside world. The people there didn't want anything to do with them, and they were quickly driven out. The clowns didn't give up, though. They knew they there had to be someone or somewhere that would accept them. They continued to search for the place where they would be welcomed, and eventually they found it. The Sad Clowns of America is a story of hope and resilience in the face of adversity. It is a story of a group of people who refused to give up even when the world was against them. This is a post-apocalyptic story that will make you laugh, cry, and feel hopeful about the future. This is amazing. Okay, this was this was both the land before time and an American tale. Also, yes. so yeah. it, it as a bonus, it created uh, it, it gave us a, the theme of the story. It, it tells yeah. that the theme of the story is the struggle to be accepted in a society that doesn't understand you. The clowns are constantly made fun of and ridiculed, but they continue to try to make the best of their lives despite all the hardships they face. I mean, this is the X Men. This is the X Men yeah, right here. Yeah, is what yeah, it is. The X Men vibes. <laughs> But like uh, the days of the future past, X Men. <laughs> yeah. So the the clowns are being laughed at and ridiculed, but not because they're doing their job. In this case, it's ironic <laughs> that the yes. clowns are being laughed at. Normally, uh, clowns want to be laughed at. Well, and I'm just like I'm just picturing it, like Joseph said, with with like the land before time. It's like okay, so so clowns are wandering and and they're telling each other stories of the big top, the place where we'll be accepted. <laughs> they just oh. keep referring to it as it's like we got to keep going if we're going to find the big top. <laughs> if we hold on together, <laughs> oh man. I mean, but that was kind of amazing, Brandon. That was really, really great. I mean, oh. it was a, a heck of an opener. Just when that the first bombs dropped, the clouds, <laughs> the clouds were, some were the, the first. To go. <laughs> Once I read that, I was all like, like "I don't I, easy uh, targets." And everything. I don't know that I can. Going on. Yeah, I, I skimmed ahead a little bit. I was like, "I can't read this with a straight face," and it took us several goes. I'm interested to see how the editing sounds. Oh man! Oh that, man! That. 
it uh, honestly, if we had read that first, it it might have gone there instead of to Joseph's. But oh, I'm glad we already got the points in. You know, it's uh, <laughs> too, a little too late. <laughs> Maybe Joseph's is like a sequel to it. <laughs> Post apocalyptic. <laughs> yes, it's not the Great of- Depression. It's- the, the, the cackles are coming for the remnants of clowns that are still foraging throughout. Like we've got to put together a team. No, see, see, I think, I think Joseph's is the golden age of the superheroes, and this, like you said, oh, is the right. is, is the, the, future, is the future past. past. I mean, no. it, it's the clear evolution of it. Joseph, one more time, can we go through the names of your clowns? Oh, you bet. And, and, I, I love and, making and names hobos, up. and then and then we've got to like figure out okay what does each one look like so that someone can do some some fan art for this all right well we had bindle von Eck. well i think we know who's gonna do the fan art nick i'm talking to you directly <laughs> through the podcast don't don't spend more than 10 minutes on it but yeah bindle von Eckersteinsky. okay that's pa- the that's the big guy yeah. his bindle is an i-beam patches the frown all right what, what is patches the frown like i mean this is uh your your, your classic uh hobo uh tramp uh, style, uh, you know, oversized pants held up by suspenders, mm-hmm. uh, big, big droopy lip frown uh, going on. Like on. the shorter, rounder side. Yeah, it's be, like be, the Seinfeld. Oh, it's like the and, Seinfeld picture of of and, the clown, and like a like a, a top hat, but the top's punched out. Oh, I, yeah. Well, I was gonna say uh, a bald head with a hat, but the hat is too small to cover up the bald spot. Like oh, it's, a, okay. it's maybe a tiny top hat with the 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 top punched out. Okay. All right, morose That's ghost. The, so, so that we was said, that uh, was patches patches the frown. Yeah. Morose ghost. Uh, it was the the poncho. It's a, the it's poncho. a white sheet poncho with a hood. Yeah, but you can't really see his face. Mooching Willie. All right. Oh. So we've got a tall one. We got a short one. We've got a white sheet. What is okay. Mooching Willie? Ah. Uh, hmm. Okay. So so fingerless gloves. So we've we've got the we got the tall one. I was saying that he should be like the round one, but I don't I don't think so. Make him make him super buff. Make him super buff. And make uh, th- this moocher the round one. Yeah, no, I think that that makes sense. Okay, and and fingerless gloves. Yes, of so course. he maintains his dexterity. But like t- tattered edges on those. Yeah, yeah, oh, of course. Um, is he like wearing a suit coat? Is he oh, wearing yeah, no, a white I think tank this top? Is, uh, is he the slick talker? I think he's trying to look good. So I think it's like a tuxedo with ta- a coat with tails uh, mm-hmm. is happening here. Uh, so this but, is this is the uh, um, the chaplain kind of mm-hmm. tramp look. Yes, yes, like like trying trying to look good, but uh, but it, but it's not it's not like the uh, classical black tuxedo. This is the the patchwork tuxedo, right? Where it's like mm-hmm. the reds and the yellows and. Oh but yeah, yeah. It's a tuxedo those, cut. Yeah, with with the uh, yeah, like the, the 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 squares of color that are sewn the, on. He's the one with the droopy flower that shoots water in his lapel. <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. And then uh, flotsam with her dog Gumbash. Okay, I think she's small and the dog's big. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, like this is the Scooby Doo of the gang. Mm-hmm. And what kind of dog are we looking at? Like, like it's really just a street mutt kind of dog, right? I, I kind of want it to be one of the one like the like mop dogs, like the sheep dogs that have the dangling dreadlock mop texture. Mm-hmm. Now, what, what what about the juxtaposition of this like sweet looking uh, clown? And what about like a bulldog? Because the bulldogs have kind of the droopy mm-hmm. jowls. Mm-hmm. Could could I, I'm not saying paint the dog's face, but I was just thinking like about that. Clown. It's like, well, if you if you take a bulldog and you. You do the clown paint on it. That's maybe the most effective on like a bulldog. <laughs> and then you and then you can give him the big spiked collar. 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, and just, you know, it's the juxtaposition of the sweet little little clown and the big menacing dog. What was the dog's name? Gumbash. Gumbash. Hmm. I'm liking it. <clears throat> no, I, I, I think... Like, like Andrew said, we, we've given some hints. I think we've got to leave room for artistic interpretation from any listeners that want to tap <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think we need to get too specific and, and really hem in the, the impulses of any, any artist who might be listening. Nick. Nick, Nick English. Uh, future, well, well, many time past guests, but also I was texting with him about coming back on soon, so he'll be on soon. <laughs> All right. Uh, we have two left. I am going to choose which 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 we have left. Oh, okay. Uh, the Great Witch Trials of 1692. This is maybe my shortest one. The Great Witch Trials of 1692 is a weekly television show. Truth Abbott and Clarity Oak are truth seekers in an age of superstition. Each week, a new supernatural occurrence happens, and they must find a natural explanation before a woman is convicted of being a witch. Was it a hallucinogenic mushroom served at a town gathering? A fraudster who took things too far? A little understood natural phenomena? Truth and clarity will find out in this uh, procedural <laughs> set in 1692. <laughs> With just a little bit of truth and clarity. It's X-Files 1692. Yep. <laughs> yes. But, but in this instance, it's almost never supernatural. It will always be some, right. some natural explanation. All right. All right, here is the Great Witch Trials of sixteen. I just just side note, I think we should uh, let's have have some more uh, Protestant era naming happening. Let's just start naming <laughs> virtues. Children have to virtues again. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, I'll name my next child Goody. <laughs> there you go. All right. We all want to make a difference in the world, but it's hard to know how. Most people think that history is a simple thing that there are good guys and bad guys, and that's it. But what if it's not that easy? What if your actions have unintended consequences? For Jonas, that question is answered when he steals a time machine. He travels back to Salem, Massachusetts, Massachusetts, circa 1692, and accidentally becomes the catalyst that starts the infamous witch trials. Jonas must find a way to save Bridget Bishop from being executed as a witch and stop the trials before they even start, all while trying to keep his own identity a secret. Can Jonas fix his mistake and change the course of history, or is it already too late? So in this, I've I've got to clarify, in this, Jonas comes from a world where the witch trials never happened. Oh, okay. I was going to say, this is going to be a bummer when he gets like yeah. making sure history happens. Yeah, yeah, and so he so he go, he he goes back because he wants to meet he because Bridget Bishop opens a school and becomes known as the mother of inventors. See, I told you I I have to come up with the whole story before I do this and I cut out too much on this one I think because there is there's rich lore <laughs> I in was, this story. <laughs> I was a little I was a little hesitant because it's like it's going to be a real bummer when he gets back to the future and he realizes like, okay, I saved that one life. And then he looks and is like, okay, the witch trials, how many people died? That's my fault. No, no. no. <laughs> well, well, Bridget Bishop was the first to be hanged or something like that. Mm-hmm. 
And so, she, uh, you know, the, the, he's got to stop that. I, I imagine Bridget is helping him t- to clear her name. And his time ship has like, it, it's kind of got like a back to the future slash the flash TV series where it can tell him historical documents in the timeline that he's currently set in track. So if he can find the reference to the witch trials, he's in trouble. Right. Um, I'm going with Joe on this. I, I just really want procedural set in different eras. (laughs) I just want two main characters named truth and clarity. (laughs) That's, That's pretty good too. But it's, it's like when community did the, the law and order episode. Yeah. And they just like take all the tropes and they just, you know, put it, put it on in their thing. It's like, I just, I do just want to see that in different time periods. Like, yeah, just do it. Like it's a procedural. All right. Then our final one, I guess there's no real choosing. It's just our final title, which the AI gave us this, this title is the fantastic friendship clubs, magical mishaps. Great title. And also one that simultaneously is absurd, but also feels like I should be able to go find that book in like this should exist. Yeah. Like like this right feels like a magic the, tree house or yeah, the magic right school next, bus. Next to the magic tree house mm-hmm. or the series of unfortunate events. At oh, least I the babysitters. Like, or the, the babysitters. The, the babysitters club. club or the wayside school books. Mm-hmm. Boxcar children, something like that. I don't want you stuck too much in that mindset. <laughs> <laughs> Did you not go for the obvious pull? Well, I may begin with the obvious pool and then it changes. <clears throat> okay. The year is 1982. Ne- the neighborhood friend group consists of uh, six and seven year old uh, kids. It's Brenda, Sandra, Kimmy, Brittany, Savannah, Julie, and then her twin brother, Julian, gets to be the token boy in the group <laughs> as they have adventures powered by imagination as the Fantastic Friendship Club. They explore the woods and creek behind their houses every day. It's the 1980s, so parents really don't care where the kids are. <laughs> So these these can go on as long as as long as they want. But on one adventure, which feels even more real uh, than any of the others, they discover a strange glowing stone and hear a voice warning them that if this stone is taken, they will have good luck for four decades. Then doom will befall whoever has taken it. They leave and run home. But Brittany lingers behind. We cut to 2022. <clears throat> All the members of the group have gone their separate ways, but they begin waking up hearing this voice, this warning from uh, 40 years ago. Uh, the friends reach out to each other, but Brittany is not in the group text and she does not return the calls. Uh, Brittany had been the homecoming queen basketball star for her high school. She's now a reality TV star and social media influencer. Uh, so that what they lucky realize, looks like, what was that? Is that what lucky for four decades looks like? <laughs> well, she's, she's, I have the beholder. To, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have the beholder. Uh, they realize she must've taken the stone. Brenda finally manages to uh, reach Brittany, but Brittany denies everything and tells Brenda to never call her again. While watching an episode of her reality show, uh, Brittany's reality show, Sandra sees the stone on a necklace that Brittany is wearing. They have to steal this back and put it back where it came from. So the gang has to get back together for a heist. Sandra is the PTA president and is great at organization. She'll be the mastermind. <laughs> Brenda gets her minivan, empties it over kids' soccer cleats and baseball mitts and half-drunk Capri Sun pouches. She'll, she's the wheels. Kimmy works in <laughs> IT now. She's the hacker. Julie has gotten big into personal training. She's the muscle. Julian is a podcaster and has a YouTube channel showing off weird Rube Goldberg machines that he builds. He's the gadget guy. And Savannah is in an MLM. So she's the con woman who's going to get close to Brittany so they can get back in. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like 
play out how the heist happens. I just wanted you to just get set, the gang back all, together. Yeah. Set all that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, okay. that, that was the end. Uh, <sighs> oh, that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough to follow. All right. Giant plants, a talking frog, and a fire-breathing teacher. Just another day for the Fantastic Friendship Club. The, this group of friends uses the magical powers that they've been granted to help others, but they always seem to get into a little bit of trouble along the way. When they try to help their friend Kyle get over his fear of heights, they turn him into a bird and can't stop him from flying away. Join the club on their adventures as they search for Kyle. These friends always have a good time together, no matter what mishaps they may encounter. And through their mishaps, they learn that it's okay to be afraid and that true, true friendship is always worth fighting for. Can you read your opening sentence again? Because I really, really liked that opening sentence. Giant plants, a talking frog, and a fire-breathing teacher. Just another day for the Fantastic Friendship Club. Okay, yeah, I need these yeah. stories. It's great. <laughs> this one will be episode three of uh, of the upcoming podcast. Oh, I get these stories. Oh, okay. okay, when you, I say you I get need these stories, stories, I will actually get these stories in your podcast. Okay. Yes, um, yes. Yeah, so... so this is like one of the short books in the multi dozens of book series of the fantastic friendship. This is the one about Kyle and and the bird. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Very much a magic tree house animorphs kind of series. Right. Like it's, it's kind of like I was kind of envisioning like magic school bus. Like maybe they also learn about like the migration pattern of birds while they're doing this. And so there's a little bit of education, but there's a lot of fun along the way. Kyle flew away. How are we going to find him? And they look at the smart one. Well, migration seasons right now. So he's probably flying (laughs) South. (laughs) Magnetic North is this, does this to birds, you know, something like that. (laughs) Ah, yeah. Dropping, dropping the knowledge in with the fun, right? Mm -hmm. Got to. In part, just because Brandon, Gave me what I wanted, but also <laughs> no, I get it. <laughs> because it's like <laughs> this is really solid, you know, stuff. Uh, Brandon takes the win on this round. Yeah, I, when he read his opening line, I'm like, oh, I liked mine, but I think it's, it's pretty. It's pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> I I was pandering to the judge. That's that's all there was to it. It's a real key. Um, because this is the last title we had. Could we get one last AI generated? All right, I was. Uh, it's yes. not going to top the sad clowns of America. Oh my goodness! Oh, I would, I would be shocked if it did. I, I just, I hope our listeners are ready for me to just reference the sad clowns of America for the rest of this podcast run. I don't know how long I'm going, but <laughs> and I don't know if it's going to be a reference to yours or to the AI generated one. But it's, it's okay because like they're both oh, superhero man. stories at their heart. Yeah, but that AI generated sad clowns of America, and then it like comes in with like the taglines at the end of the review. It's like, it's a yeah. story about this. Don't you get it? <laughs> All right. This is what the AI has to say about this one. This one's a little shorter. The fantastic friendship club was always getting into trouble. Their latest adventure involved a magical mishap that nearly got them all turned into frogs. The spell had been meant for a group of troublesome boys who'd been bullying members of the Fantastic Friendship Club. But when the boys accidentally stumbled upon the club's secret, or sorry, not but, when the boys accidentally stumbled upon the club's secret meeting place, they were accidentally caught in the spell. The Fantastic Friendship Club was able to turn the spell around in time, and everything turned out all right in the end. As always, their friendship prevailed. Yours is better, Brandon. 
I'm glad I can beat an AI on at least one. <laughs> well, and with the AI generated one, the, with the way it ended, it made me think it's like, okay, at the end of every, every club meeting, they have to like put their hands in a circle and say, let friendship prevail. And that sounds really <laughs> dorky. Yeah, like but the, uh, let the Captain Planet with our powers yeah. combined. I loved Captain Planet. Don't be dissing on him. I'm not. No, no, no. I'm this not. sounds like it's trying to do that and failing miserably. <laughs> yes. At doing a Captain Planet type. This is thing. a safe space okay. for Captain Planet fans. Don't you worry, Brandon. All right. All right. He's our hero. He's going to take pollution down to zero. <laughs> All right. As long as we've got that clear. All right. Uh, well, thank you, Brandon, for coming on. I think we had a lot of <laughs> a lot of fun with your AI, but also I, I think I'm going to need the Legend of the Alarm Strong to be another one that you uh, you put into your podcast. <laughs> definitely, definitely going to be there. Like, here's here's the nice thing about about these. I can basically take these in and be like, Chapter One, go, and then you have to guide it a little bit. Like. I don't want bombs dropping on sad clowns. Just saying like, this is a bedtime story podcast. Yeah. That one's, that one's not in for the bedtime story podcast, but it is in for legendary status on the protagonist podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, when, when you go to compile your collection of protagonist podcast, short stories based on all these pitches, we'll throw it in there because it's got to, I mean, (laughs) I mean, there's no way that it can, it can, it can go without that. I think we should have like all three sad clowns of America, like side by side, like a choose your own adventure. Uh, like you get to choose which one you read today. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that idea. So you, you've got some work to do. Start, start compiling your short stories. Volume one. Uh, <laughs> yes. I mean, I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I have some written from past pitches that I, I built out to full uh, short, short stories, but I don't have a collection yet. I would say. Uh, but Brandon, thank you again for coming on to the podcast. Can you give our listeners a more uh, full pitch of where they can find uh, the podcast we've hinted at a few times? Yeah. So if you want to find these stories that we've talked about today and some others, another one that my daughter has me working on is How to Be a Hero, A Second Grader's Guide to Saving the World. Um, so we have a brand new podcast inspired by, by, by my daughter, uh, helped along by my children. Uh, called Storybot Chronicles. You can find it over at storybotchronicles.com. And the first episode is Snow Day Apocalypse, where I've I actually written out that entire story, read it, put it there. We're going to be doing, we've got all sorts of additional things. I'm, the website, I'm going to add sending Storybot messages and Storybot will communicate with people. You can dedicate stories. I'll, I will name characters after people who are dedicated so yeah it's a lot of fun uh where the ai generates the title i turn around and generate the synopsis and then together we write the it's a couple thousand words and it ends up being about 10 minutes to 15 minutes an episode so it's it's a lot of fun and i really think that these guys should have a spinoff of protagonist with all the pitches that they've done that (laughs) that does this exact same thing Maybe not AI generated. That's my uh, shtick. Well, you know, t- time saving. <laughs> Maybe it needs to be AI generated. <laughs> you don't have all the time in the world? I, I thought you only worked a full-time job and were a parent. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. And, and, you know, time time is just freely available for all of us. That's, that's one it's thing true. we all have too much of on our hands. 
Uh, well, I love the idea of that podcast, and I will be uh, sending my kids towards it. And I hope there is a generation of kids that start talking about giant snowflake stories instead of monkey paw stories. Uh, <laughs> right? It's, it's not a monkey paw story. It's a snowflake story. Yeah. All right. Well, that is going to wrap up this episode. Thank you, listeners, for joining us. For show notes and links to all the other great Dueling Genre shows, you can go to DuelingGenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in your podcast app of choice. Please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We'd like to thank Scott Toff, who composed our theme music. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story. So long. All right, that's where it's going. All right, buckle up. <laughs> I don't know if I could do this one with a straight face. You gotta have a sad clown do this one. When the bombs dropped, the clown. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, wow. I don't know the. <laughs> There's a dark opener for the sad clowns of America. When the bombs dropped, the clowns were some of the first to go. They were. <laughs> they I'm were sorry, hated. I'm going to mute my mic. I'm dying here. <laughs> you have the opportunity to do that. I have to actually read this. They were hated and feared by society. And they were easy targets. <laughs> oh, you're going to have some editing to do on this one. <laughs> oh, but Andrew, I insist that as the outro, like after I sign off, you just drop the unedited of us dying <laughs> as he reads this. <laughs> they were easy targets. I mean, uh, the AI I mean, saying clowns were hated and feared, uh, it's on to something. <laughs> the survivors didn't want anything to do with them, and so they were left to fend for themselves. <laughs> it's just the imagery of clouds, like, foraging. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, to some degree, like, they're self-identifying. <laughs> they're putting they on the take off the clown makeup. <laughs> The, clown, the clowns banded together and decided to make their way to the city. They had heard there was a place where they would be welcomed, where they would be able to start over. The journey was long and hard, but the clowns persevered. They finally arrived at the city, only to find that it was just as hostile as the outside world. The people there didn't want anything to do with them, and they were quickly driven out. The clowns didn't give up, though. They knew they, there had to be someone or somewhere that would accept them. They continued to search for the place where they would be welcomed, and eventually they found it. The Sad Clowns of America is a story of hope and resilience in the face of adversity. It is a story of a group of people who refused to give up, even when the world was against them. This is a post-apocalyptic story that will make you laugh, cry, and feel hopeful about the future. This is amazing. Okay, this, was, this was both The Land Before Time and an American tale. Awesome. Yes. So yeah. it, it, as a bonus, it created, uh, it, it gave us a, the theme of the story. It, it tells yeah. that the theme of the story is the struggle to be accepted in a society that doesn't understand you. The clowns are constantly made fun of and ridiculed, but they continue to try to make the best of their lives despite all the hardships they face. I mean, this is the X-Men. This is the yeah, X-Men yes. right here. Yeah, is what yeah. it is. The X-Men. the X-Men vibes, but like uh, the days of the future past X-Men. <laughs>